Welcome to the New Work Revolution podcast on NewWorkRevolution.com. Take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution. Here's your host, Brandon Allen. All right, I want to welcome everyone to the New Work Revolution podcast. This is Brandon Allen, and I am here on NewWorkRevolution.com. I want to thank you guys for listening. So today I want to talk a little bit about embracing failure and critics. And this one's a hard one. I mean, look, no one likes to fail. No one likes to be critiqued, especially if that critique happens in a way that's very personal, that's very mean-spirited. No one enjoys that. And so as we talk about this today, I'm not suggesting that you're going to love failure or that you're going to love critics, but I'm also going to talk about how do we embrace these things because if we're going to play in the entrepreneurial space, if we're going to play in a leadership space, these things come with the territory. They're, they're not mutually exclusive. They're part of the same game of what we're playing in. And if we're going to play at a big level, we're going to experience both of these things. But what we're going to realize here is this. We have so much fear around failure. We have so much fear around being critiqued or not being liked that uh, what we have to realize is that it's not. These are not. Fa- these are not fatal situations. These are not things that are going to be permanent and attached to your permanent record. Failure, critiques, things like that. These are temporary things. And in some respects, when it comes to critiques, they're not necessarily even valid critiques. And I'll talk about when we listen to a critic and when we don't. And so, uh, you know, this really came up for me. There's a couple things that that brought this on. I mean, number one, I was watching a video on Instagram because I was making good use of my time, and I was watching an ESPN clip, and it was like a you know ESPN always does like the top ten, right? And sometimes they pull stuff that's just you know from like a random practice, and it could be from high school, it could be in some person's driveway, you know, their top ten sporting moments, and they showed this picture of this kid running up a wall on a, in a football stadium, doing a backflip. And as he was doing the backflip, someone threw him a football, and he caught it while he was flipping and, and then landed on the ground. For all, just, for all intents and purposes here, it's pretty damn amazing to watch people with a high level of athleticism do things that just really, you know, you're just like, wow, that is really amazing. And... The funny thing is, is I start to read comments, right? And and if you if you're on Instagram, you know what I'm talking about. You know, someone does something cool, and then you start reading the comments. And I was just blown away by how many people just wanted to crap all over this guy. Like, oh, how many takes did that take? Um, oh yeah, well, you know, the real hero is the is the is the guy who threw the ball. I mean, he threw it perfect so that he could catch it. And you know, I mean, it was just like. On and on and on, the criticism of this whole thing by people who couldn't do it. I and look, it doesn't matter how many takes it took the kid to do it. You couldn't do it once. You could try it a million times. You probably wouldn't be able to do that. So it doesn't matter if it took him 5, 10, 15, 20 takes to get it right. He did it, and most of us can't. So it's pretty damn amazing. And look, did the quarterback throw a good throw? Sure. But how many throws did he did it take him to to get that in there, right? I mean, 
uh, you know, it's just interesting how people can't look at something and just say, wow, I really love that. And my whole point in bringing this up is that, look, no matter how amazing your accomplishment is or how amazing something is that you do, someone's going to be ready there to critique what you have done. So just be prepared for that. And when it comes to failure, you know, failure is kind of much in the same vein. And I, I work with a lot of younger entrepreneurs that have a level of success. And the problem with having success as a young person, and I know this, is that you feel like you're bulletproof. And you feel like, you know, you can't lose. And there's that thought process. But then on the other side, as a young person, as you start to develop that thought process of I can't lose, like I'm bulletproof, there's something that nags in the back of your head that's like, what if I do lose? What if I fail? What if I take all this amazing stuff that I've created and done as an entrepreneur, as a young entrepreneur, you know, making more money in my 20s than I ever thought I could or in my early 30s or whatever, and now what if it all goes away? So now we start to play with just a little bit of trepidation in the back of our heads while in the, at the same vein, talking as if you know, we, we know we can't lose and that everything we touch turns to gold. You know, it kinda, we, we start to develop a, a, an over, uh, you know, a, a sense of, uh, you know, accomplishment that is probably overdone. And I was, a, I was a, uh, a young person just like that. I mean, I had had so much success and I built so much of my own self-worth in my own success that um, I started to believe my own nonsense and that I felt like, man, I just can't lose. Like, you know, there's some people that are just losers and I'm not a loser. I'm a winner. And then I lost and I lost big. And I'll, and I'll get into that here in a second. I think a lot of you probably already know the story, but I'll tell it for those of you who haven't heard it. So, you know, we, we, we worry a lot about criticism. We worry a lot about failure. And the reality is, is that neither one of these things are, are within our control. And, you know, criticism is going to come whether we want it to come or not. Failure is going to come whether we want it to not want it to or not, because there's things that happen outside of ourselves that we have no control over. And so, uh, you know, we've got to be able to embrace those concepts that those things can happen. Now, it's not that we want them to happen. It's not that we're willing them to happen. But we also have to just accept the fact that sometimes, you know what, that stuff is going to happen. Things aren't going to work out the way we want to. People aren't going to say the things that we would like them to say. Sometimes people are going to say things that hurt our feelings. And we've got to decide how we work on those things. And, and what I found with failure and, crit- and, and critiques is that these things really reveal our true hearts. And if you want to know where your heart lies as a human being, think about how you respond to failure. Think of how you respond to critics. If, if your heart is in the wrong place, and, and in the wrong place, I, I, I believe, look, if we're inwardly focused, first of all, on ourselves, and we have our ego that is the most important thing, then we're going to hold on to pride, we're going to hold on to perfectionism, we're going to place value in things that don't necessarily make us valuable. And you know, one of the things that I really dislike about entrepreneurship in a lot of ways, and here I go critiquing things, right? I'm talking about embracing critics while I'm being critical. Um, so I, I want you to appreciate that irony right now. But One of the things that really bothers me is when I see entrepreneurs talk so much about material possessions. And it's not because uh, having a a larger home or driving a Lamborghini is is a bad thing. It's not. Um, It's fine. But what I see is a lot of young entrepreneurs who put their entire value of their entire life in owning a car. 
And, you know, in a car that's going to depreciate the minute they drive it off the lot, that really isn't nearly as valuable as they think it is, but it gives them this sense of importance. It starts to reveal their heart that, oh my gosh, look at what I had. When really the Lamborghini or the house, that is a byproduct of the value that you create. That's a, that's a byproduct of value. That's a byproduct of you expressing your purpose towards a mission and creating value for society in some sort of way. And, you know, it, it, you can really see, though, when, when people get critiqued and, and they deal with a critic, where their heart is. Because they start to defend, they start to come back at someone, they start to uh, dig in their position, they start to get really de- uh, defensive, and they'll say really mean and hurtful things towards people, and, and they'll start to, they, they'll want to spend their whole life proofing their haters wrong. You know, I got to prove these haters wrong, that I'm good enough. And in the, in the spirit of business, if your whole uh, if your whole reason for starting a business is to prove other people wrong, that you're good enough, you're never going to be good enough. You'll never be good enough. The finish line will never come anywhere in your lifetime if that's your thought process, if that's how you think. And when we talk about failure, look, a lot of times we're afraid to fail because we don't want to look bad. What would other people think if we fail? What, what, would, what would people say if we, if we didn't accomplish these things? You know, what, would, what would my friends on uh, Facebook or Instagram think if, if I you know, had this major setback? But here's the thing about business is that setbacks are going to happen. And if you never have failed, you haven't played big, period. And if you haven't played, if you haven't had a failure, and look, it doesn't have to be a catastrophic, uh, catastrophic failure. But if you haven't experienced failure and setbacks in your career, you're not playing big enough. You're playing small. And look, a lot of people play small. Most, uh, I would say, most of society plays not to lose. They don't play to win because they're just they're, they're, they want the safety and security of not you know losing at all. Like I would just rather keep the little that I have rather than go out and risk. Uh, losing something in a colossal way that uh, number one, you know, puts me at risk. Number two, that makes me look bad, and and being and making myself look bad is is the biggest thing that that I'm worried about here. So, think about how you respond to criticism. Think about how you respond to failures. And as leaders, this is really important because you're going to have criticism that comes in a lot of different ways. People that don't agree with your decisions. Being a leader is a lonely thing. Being a leader is a very lonely thing, and that's why a lot of people don't want to do it. And really, that's why there's a lot of reluctant leaders. You know, there's times where I get into a leadership position where I'm like, hmm, I'm a reluctant leader because I know the responsibility. I know the uh, everything that comes with that, good and bad. And if you don't appreciate that, you're not thinking about that, uh, you know, at, at maybe a deep enough level. But, you know, with, with leadership comes... Uh, you know, comes a lot of responsibility. And a lot of people would just prefer not to do that. They don't want it. They don't want that. So the fact that you own a business, the fact that you are a leader, just says that, hey, you're willing to do things that a lot of people just, quite frankly, aren't willing to do. But because we're willing to do that, guess what? We have to put ourselves out there. And I've talked about, you know, stories of clients of mine and people that I've known that have had people hate on them and, and be very critical of them. And look, that's when you've said, that's when you've said or done something meaningful that's really evoked a reaction from someone else. But it starts to reveal our heart with how we respond to that. You know, is my, is my whole life put into my achievements or is my life worth something else? You know, what, what is your life worth? 
How do you measure the value of your life? And that's a really important question. I'm not going to answer that question for you because everyone is different in how they respond to that. But that that question, that answer to that question is going to really help you deal with how you respond to the different things that come up, whether it be criticism, whether it be failure. You know, your where is your value? And, and here's the thing about the, the Lamborghinis and the cars and the praise. Praise is great. Who doesn't like praise? Who doesn't like to get a kind word? I like to get that. But the problem is that those are all things that are outside of ourselves. None of those things are inside of us. And if all of your value is derived from things that are outside of you, you will always be a miserable person because you have no control over those things. You're at the whim of everyone else and everything else that happens in your life. And if you're not careful, eventually you become a victim. Because that, that's the path to victimhood. There's no other path. There's no other destination that that path leads to than victimhood. Because if everything happens outside of me, I have no control over how I feel or how I respond to things. And how I respond to failure, how I respond to critics, is going to really reveal where my heart is in those situations. So don't worry so much about being liked. Don't worry so much about, is this the right thing for other people, ask yourself, is this the right thing for me? And there's a couple things that I think we need to be careful of. Number one, who do we listen to? This is really important. Who do you listen to for advice? And look, there's certain people that I will take advice from. There's certain people that I won't take advice from. And it really depends on where they're at and what their experiences are and how they think about things. Because ultimately, if you don't understand what I'm doing and you haven't been where I've been, I'm not listening to you. You know, if I give a talk and someone wants to critique my talk, but they've never done a, a, a spoken in public, I'm sorry, I'm not interested in your critique. You don't know what you're talking about. If you want to critique my parenting and you've never had kids, I'm not listening. If you want to tell me how to be a good husband, but you've never been married, sorry, I'm out. You may know, theoretically, something really smart about that topic, but you don't really know what the hell you're talking about. You think you know, but you don't know. And a lot of times we listen to people about, you know, in entrepreneurs, they listen to people about, hey, this is how you should run your business. I work for the government. Hey, you should listen to how, uh, you know, how to run a business. I, I work in this job for 30 years that I hate. Doesn't work. You can't listen to that person. They have no idea what it means to be you, what it looks like to be you, and, but they want to give some feedback. And, and I love this. Uh, you know, a lot of people get uh, bent out of shape when I bring up Howard Stern. And I'm not like a Howard Stern fan, but I've played this clip for people before where someone calls in and they said to Howard Stern, Hey, I want to give you some feedback on the show. And his immediate response was, It's not necessary. And he's like, well, no, I think you'll want, like, you know, I think you'll like what I have to say. I think I'll give you some helpful feedback for the show. And he says, it's not necessary. And he, then, then the guy says, why? And Howard Stern says, well, it's because you're irrelevant. And he's like, I don't listen to feedback. He's like, if I listen to feedback, um, you know, then I would have a show that, you know, uh, that tries to please everyone. And my show isn't a show that tries to please everyone. And what I like about the clip is that not because Howard Stern's an asshole, um, because he is, but... Because he is convicted about what he is doing. He gets it. He understands it. He doesn't need to listen to that feedback because he knows what he wants to do. And because he stood boldly in that, look, he has a lot of enemies, a lot of critics. 
but he also has a lot of people who appreciate and and like what he does. And he's not for everyone, very polarizing as a person, but he decided to take a stand for who he was. And when we talk about uh, a concept like total experience design, which I talk about in consulting, you know, when we talk about designing experiences, designing experiences about being and deciding who you're going to be for and, and recognizing and deciding who you're not for. And, you know, this is who I'm for. This is who I'm not for. I'm going to draw a pretty clear line here. If you like it, great. Embrace it. If you don't, that's fine. And I've had to learn this over the years in coaching. Sometimes I tried really hard to convince someone that the coaching relationship is a good idea. And now as I've gotten a little wiser, a little older, and a little more experienced in coaching, what I realize is when I start to get that pushback right up front, I just end the relationship. Because I know that all I'm going to do is continue to convince over and over and over and over again someone to do something that really they have no investment or no desire to do. And I, you know, I don't want to waste my time doing that. But before, I would try to just make someone happy. How do I make you happy? And I realized, like, I can't. They're just not invested in what we do and how we do it. And that's okay. Stop the relationship. Move on to the relationship that is there and it's funny how when we listen to critics and we're not and we're and we're not careful and diligent about who who we listen to the problem is is it takes us away from the people who get a lot of value i'll let one person who shows up maybe not in a great way ruin it for like every other person i totally forget about all the people who love it and i listen to the one person who doesn't i used to do this with workshops all the time you know, I'd get all these people who gave great reviews to a workshop. Then I'd give someone, I'd get someone who'd give me like a lukewarm review or a mediocre review. And I and I think about this one person out of the forty, and I would just ruminate on this person, and it drove me crazy. And and I realized like that's no way to live. And where is my worth in that, right? And and where can I look for? And I look for this like, hey, where do I look for the help in this critique? Where can I look for that? Where can I remove my ego? from this process and ask, and why am I getting pissed about feedback or, or worrying about feedback when I ask for it? And I can take what's good about the feedback and apply it to get better because that's actually valuable and, and then move forward from there. Why am I worried about you know how this person is showing up or, or uh, what this person said? Um, you know I can't worry about that. I, I can just worry about putting my best foot forward and realizing that, look, if 39 out of 40 people really liked it, that's a win. <laughs> But instead, I would look at it as, man, I failed. And man, if we're not careful about how we look at critiques, man, it just really will put us in a position where we can't create value for other people. But you know, I, we've got to protect ourselves too, right? How do we protect ourselves from, from failure? And, and how do we protect ourselves from critiques that maybe aren't helpful? And look, I, I think it's about, number one, who do you have in your circle? Do you have people in your circle that you trust? Do you have people that you know have your best interests at heart? And if you do, make sure you're spending meaningful time with those people on a regular basis. Make sure you're creating the space for those relationships to flourish and to cultivate. And the second part about this is with failure is that, look, commit to the fundamentals. Commit to the disciplines. And, you know, it's funny. I, I, we were talking about uh, you know, ideal clients and we had, we had uh, Joey Coleman. He came in. And uh, he wrote a book called Never Lose a Customer Again. It's a really great book if you're in the service industry especially. But it's a really good book regardless of what kind of industry you're in. But um, we talked about, you know, who's our client. And, and a lot of times we, we end up bringing in clients who are a little bit sometimes in disarray or disorganized. And, you know, it's funny how, 
you know, sometimes we we try to make someone organized right away who's a little disor- dis- in disarray or disorganized. But eventually what we hope to do with a client that is disorganized is make them more organized. And it's not because we want to change who someone is or that they're not uh, good enough. But the reality is, is that discipline is important. I mean, there's a time for uh, fun and there's a time for discipline. And discipline is, is an important trait that can be learned. And, uh, you know, I've lacked discipline in my own life in certain areas that has held me back. And then I've had to learn how to embrace discipline so that I can ha- I can reap the fruits of what discipline offer. And when we talk about failure, having that discipline, having that structure, having that order of putting our best foot forward is a great way to help minimize the damage that failure can do for us by, you know, simple things like building a war chest in your business financially by setting objectives and not overextending ourselves by training diligently our team, reviewing our systems and processes and working on our business on a regular basis. There's just simple disciplines that we can commit to and work on that really help to at least mitigate the damage that failure can do, even though you're still going to have times where you fail because you can do everything right and still not get the outcome you want. But um, this at least allows you to minimize the damage because if I don't have a war chest, if I'm not training my team, if I'm not uh, you know, very mission-oriented, when I have a setback, that setback becomes a lot more tremendous and a lot more impactful in a negative way than I would want it to. So be mindful about who you listen to and who you surround yourself with and be mindful about how you're using discipline to protect yourself from failure. And, and look, you know, as, as we fail, just remember that growth exposes your weaknesses. And if you don't think you have any weaknesses, then you're not playing big enough because growth should continue to show you not just what you are, but what you are not. And that's the cool thing about growth is I feel like it's such a great teacher to really tell me, man, this is who I am, but man, this is who I'm not. And, and it really starts to bring out some of these things for me and, and help me recognize that. But if you are sitting there right now thinking, man, I don't even know what my weaknesses are or what that looks like, you're not playing big enough. You're playing too small or you're not self-aware, one of the two. Neither one of those things is going to be valuable for you because here's the thing. Ultimately, it's this. Your business is for the mission. When I worry about failure, when I worry about critics, when I take that stuff personally, I'm being self-oriented, but my business is mission-oriented. It is for a mission. So at New Work Revolution, we are about impacting leaders because when we impact leaders, we impact the world. Simple as that. You make better leaders, you make a better world. You teach leaders how to communicate. We teach leaders how to uh, build teams. We teach leaders how to plan. We teach leaders how to be disciplined. That, in turn, affects the entire organizations that they run, the entire worlds that they influence, and all the stakeholders that, 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 that they work with. And so I know that my work is for the leaders and the leadership. And if you don't like it, that's fine. And if you're not a leader, that's, it's not for you. It's not for you. And so we know we have a mission. And if, if someone's critical of me about that, and that criticism is from someone that I probably don't need to listen to, then I'm not going to, I'm just going to dismiss that feedback altogether. But if it's from someone that I could learn from and use to improve my ability to create value for leaders, man, that is really valuable. I'm going to take that. Uh, And I'm going to internalize that and I'm going to look at how do I use that to refine my approach and refine myself, not for me, but for my ability to create value for others. Someone asked me, do do you, uh, how do you uh, set out to live an extraordinary life? And I don't. 
What I do is I set out to create massive value for other people. And if I do that, the byproducts of that might be an extraordinary life, but maybe it's not. I'm not going to worry about that. What I'm going to worry about is how do I create value for others to make their lives better, particularly in the realm of leadership. And that way, by doing that, I've made an impact on other people that may, in some sort of byproduct, be beneficial to me, my family, and everyone else. That's the hope. That's what I'm looking for. So when you think about failure, when you think about criticism, just remember what you're playing for and that you are mission-oriented. And I'm going to leave you with this last thought. This is from the book Daring Greatly uh, by Brene Brown. And obviously, this is not her thought either. But she talks about... um, a speech that Teddy Roosevelt gave called Citizenship in the Republic, in a Republic. And uh, some people call it the man in the arena. So you may have heard this called man, of the, man in the arena. And he, this is a passage from that speech. And Teddy Roosevelt says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again. Because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms and great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Check that out. Think about how that can be you moving forward. How do you create your own battle cry for how you embrace failure, how you embrace critics so that you can move forward in a powerful way and do the things that you are placed here to do for the service of others. Thanks for listening, you guys. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the New Work Revolution podcast on newworkrevolution.com. Until next time, take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution.